Hello and welcome, y'all. You're listening to Southern Reverend, a podcast from a pastor in Georgia about the Christian faith, work in ministry, and life in the South. I'm your host, Joel Mooneyhan. And last week, I sat down with my friend Ben Smith. We had a good conversation about his road to faith, the many ups and downs in that journey, and how Christ was able to reach into the darkest moments in his life and bring meaning and light out of them. It was a great conversation. Ben and I always have a really good time. And I'm just going to get out of the way and let the conversation do the talking. I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here we go. Fantastic. Well fed, I hope. Oh, I am indeed well fed. Thank you. Beautiful. Yes, yes. Ben, you and I have known each other for two years now, almost exactly. Yeah, almost like right at two years. Because after we did that event for Southeastern, you got on a plane to Nashville. I did. And I got on a plane to Europe. To you. That's <clears> right. And That's then, right. You did go to Europe. Then came back, and there was that stupid house fire. And I had, we had to keep meeting at the hotel <laughs> so we could, there was, there was, uh, <clears throat> anyway, so Ben and I have, we've worked together for two years, become very good friends over that time, mm-hmm. learned a lot about you and learned a lot from you. Uh, but talk a little bit about where you grew up, family, your childhood growing up. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, in, in Kansas That's where I'm from. I lived there for, I guess, the first night. I'm 33, so I lived there for the first 19, 19 or 18 years of my <clears throat> life in the great Midwest. You know, family in regards to that. Um, now, they ended up, with the, without putting it on a sad note here, but they got divorced. You know, so I had that kind of lifestyle. Uh, growing up, big sports guy, so I did that all throughout high school. Uh, what sports? I did soccer, baseball. Uh, I tried football when I was in elementary school. Turns out, I'm a small person, so I got massacred a good number of times, which made me feel like this isn't for me. Football is so, not the one. Yeah, that's not the one. Once you get hit a few <clears> times, uh, and then find out that that's every day when you play, it's, it's actually a very integral part of the sport. Apparently so. Yeah, I, I guess that's why they wear pads and helmets. <laughs> You know, mouth guards, things of that nature. You don't in soccer. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. I mean, you're you should wear uh, something, something, in places. <laughs> a couple of things. Yes, exactly. That will prevent uh, injury. <laughs> it's the finest sport in the world, though. It is though. It is the, it is the most globally <clears throat> recognized sport, without question. And it is currently probably the only, with the exception of golf and NASCAR, I think is the only sport happening right now in this beautiful time we're living. Yeah, 2020, man. 2020, baby. Incredible. Top notch. Top notch. So you grew up mostly with your mom or your dad? My mom, okay. yeah. So uh, God love my dad. He's, he's an incredible person. But you know, with that situation, you're kind of dealt the, the hand that you're dealt. Right. So I lived with my mom the majority, uh, and then she moved down to, to Georgia, and I followed suit. It was when I was 18. I certainly was not <laughs> living the type of life that was going to afford me an apartment, let alone any sort of sustainability. So I moved down here with my mom, with my brother, who is a, uh, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but he's a, a professional photographer. And well, yeah, I've talked to you he's, about that. He's yeah. quite good. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very talented. <clears throat> very talented. And he lives in California right now. Well, did, when you were growing up, did, were you involved in church at all? I, so when we, when <clears throat> the, the parents were together, we were very big, well, Catholic is, is what we were. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to Catholic, uh, God, I forget what it was. It wasn't Sunday school. It was actually during the week. I mean, during, on Sundays, we'd go to Sunday school, but during the week we had our own, I mean, the best way to describe it is maybe small groups or something mm-hmm. like that, but, you know, you're learning there, and they're a part of the church. I think they were part of, actually, the worship team. My dad plays guitar, sure. so he was part of that, and they actually had their own um, separate Christian group, I think that, I can't remember what they were called. I remember one song, it was called Arise, uh, All right. but it was in reference to he's risen but that was really where i went through um oh god what do they call it confirmation confirmation yeah went through all that and uh or at least attempted to when the parents got separated i was doing it with my with my mom and i i I 
the church got put at a middle school at that time as it was being rebuilt or, or a new building was being built. So instead of going to that, I uh, just went to the gym and played basketball, <laughs> which was frowned upon by my mother. But right after that, in in sixth or seventh grade, I uh, went to a non-denominational church. I guess you can call it Pentecostal if you want to, but not mm-hmm. to that stretch, sure. if you will. But where was probably the first time that I actually really experienced the presence, if you will. And a good buddy of mine, still a good buddy of mine, Aaron Pretty. He was the guitar player there, and we, <laughs> we've been through all sorts of crazy stuff when we were growing up, but um, he really allowed me to go there, and the place was called, it was called Life Force, and I've never been more a part uh, of a church at that age, um, and there's quite a few people that went from mm-hmm. school um, that you wouldn't really, you know, pin as that's where you're going to be. Right. Um, so, and I'm sure that, you know, a good portion of them weren't, and I wasn't to begin with. I was just like, this is where people are going to hang out, for God's sakes. Granted, right. I grew up in Kansas, okay? So the other place we hung out was Sonic, so take that for what you will. But Hey, man. Listen, I like Sonic. They have that, the ocean water? Yeah. Have you had that? That's all stuff. Yeah. Strawberry Power water. Powerade ocean water. It's <laughs> <Sure. sighs> legit. But if that's where you're hanging out, probably yeah. says a lot about where you're... Well, you know what? Maybe a lot of people hung out at, at, at uh, drive-ins. I know my mom did. There are worse places to hang out. There certainly are. But uh, at that place, uh, at Life Force, we had a, uh, I guess if this was, if you want to call it the first time you felt his presence, um, they came around, we were all holding hands, and he was, the pastor was individually praying for all of us. We didn't tell him what, you know, we wanted him to pray about. I don't think at middle school you know what they, I mean, unless it's a, a blatant, urgent request Sure. Um, that you know what you want to pray for. And he kept rolling <clears throat> hands and he kept going down the line. And he got to me and he did his thing. Um, and once that was over, you kind of, I went outside. It was nighttime. And uh, <laughs> I was just throwing a football up to myself. Literally just throwing it up into the, into the sky and catching it. And I just started bawling hmm. out of nowhere. But it wasn't a sad cry, though. And I sure. had never had that happen, <clears throat> ever. And that was the first time where I was definitely like, something else is going on. Like, there is, yeah. without question, somebody else involved with how I am feeling and what I am feeling. And I just couldn't explain it. And from that, and I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, some sort of diehard churchgoer. You know, I, I certainly believe in God and, I, and I, I pray, I read the Bible, I do that aspect of it. But at that point, it, it made no sense to me. None. And it became something that you'll never forget mm-hmm. either, where you know, without question, somebody else could say, no, it's not. And you could be like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, but. It is. Yeah. Like, if you give it a chance, if you, if you just actually put forth that effort, which yeah. is, it can be exhausting, I guess. And a little, a little frightening. Yeah, without question. Yeah, I mean, that's, that <clears throat> was like, this is amazing. I'm scared, but it's awesome. All at one time. Well, I like what you said there too about giving it a chance because I, I encounter a lot of people who are skeptics for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are, some of them I would say are good reasons. Some of them yeah. I would say are not as good reasons. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it'll be there will have been a a negative experience that happened in a church, which mm-hmm. is in and of itself heartbreaking. So I'm not diminishing that at all. Right. But because of that, they never give the real faith a chance because the institution has failed them. Right. And I do understand that. And I, and I, I definitely, understand I've that. seen it happen and it breaks my heart when it does. And I mean, I've been on the receiving end of, of, of times when a, a church institution has not lived up to what it was supposed to. So, I mean, I, I get it, but there is something to be said for, I think a lot of people have this idea that I'm not going to believe something till I see it. Right. But there are some things that you can't really see until you give the belief a chance. Yeah, and I, I didn't <clears throat> see. You know, I, I felt it. Mm-hmm. And the, but there was no. I guess the only way to know. It, I, well, that's almost in the seeing is believing type thing. But is to have that that feeling. I guess it can come in many different ways. But 
for me in middle school, that's not something that I've ever experienced where you just sure. break down in tears of joy, but you don't even know what you're crying about. Right. You have no idea. You just know that you're feeling this overwhelming joy, but yet you're crying. What which is... has never happened. Right. It's, it, it, it was... When you're that young, crying is about being sad, and then... Yeah. Like, I don't understand why I'm so yeah, happy that I'm crying. Why am I so happy that I'm crying? Which, to, to a point, you know, I never <clears> understood. But I think if, if you are, if you're a part of, or even if you're hesitant to, to, to be a part of a church, just talk. If you can talk to people. If I didn't talk to Aaron, I never would have went. Hmm. Ever. I would have been like, whatever, you know, because at that point, the parents were, you know, they were split up for three years, four years at that point. So I, I mean, what, I've been a part of the church. That didn't help. Right. You know, or so I thought. And then, but you, when you meet the right people and they're able to bring you to it and, and it's not like, uh, for lack of a better term, they're not forcing it on you. Yeah. And you get to experience, I guess it's all a person to person thing, but. Well, it's all rooted in the fact that you have a relationship with the person anyway. Yeah. Well, very true. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, it's one thing to have somebody on the street, a street preacher or somebody come up and tell you, you need to go to church, you know. Right. You're going to hell or whatever like that. But if you have a close friend and they say, hey, I want, I want you to come with me to this restaurant. Yeah. Because they, <clears throat> they know you well enough to know that you're going to love it. Yeah. You got to come, you got to come try this place. Or like, when you send me music, very few people have the ability to just pick something completely random. Like, yeah. I bet you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. And so when you, when you have that kind of relationship with someone and they say, Hey, this thing means a lot to me and I know you and you mean a lot to me. I think you will enjoy it. I think this will mean something to you. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. And I think one, if you're on the, if you're in a, I think if you're on a, if you're in a place where you're skeptical and there are people who you know and love and who care about you, mm-hmm. who've invited you, like don't don't just brush it off because you had a bad experience. Yeah, I mean, because if someone who who you respect had a meaningful experience with it, that should mean something. But on the other hand, if you're if you're a person who who it does mean something to, who is a person of faith, we forget that. We're happy to go to church. We're happy to post on Facebook. We're happy to go on mission trips and things like that. But how often in our day-to-day lives with the people that we see every day do we literally invite to church or invite to something that's going on, you know, pertaining to that? And you don't have to save the world. You just, and you're not even saving the person. I'm not trying to say that. But I mean, I think a lot of people think it's got to be a pastor and a pulpit in front of a bunch of people. But no, it's it's one-to-one. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, that was a lot of Jesus, a lot of Jesus work life on earth was just person to person and it matters. hundred percent. I mean, you know, what's amazing is the, I guess the first and only time that I've been to your church, that was your message. What we're talking about right oh, now. Was it? it was, it <laughs> actually was. I can't, I couldn't remember. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, uh, so <clears throat> you kind of had that point where it, it, it's, you're, you're just, you're not force feeding anybody to anything, but you're just inviting. That's it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not making it become some sort of, there's consequences if you don't do this. Right. Type thing. Yeah. Where it's just about extending the invitation. That's it. You know, and you, that was actually kind of your, uh, what, evan- evangelism? That, that kind of, instead mm-hmm. of, you can just extend the, and it can be pleasant. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be a threat. No, exactly. And, and that was like kind of the... It normally doesn't work well as a threat. No, without, yeah. I mean, it has in certain places, but well, not real well, <laughs> and not. <clears throat> there's yeah. some bad history surrounding that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I for sure when people were, you know, I, I guess I could just call it my mom when she was like, "You need to, you need to go to church." You need to. <clears throat> I was like, "Yeah, no, no, I'm not gonna go with you." I'm it good. seems seems like I'm walking into a trap uh, of some kind that I don't know yet. But the weirdest thing about when you're away from church. And then you go back to it for whatever reason. It could be that you might just not even realize you're looking for some sort of a point. Right. But like 99, if not 100% of the time, I'll go to church and it might have been two, three months, if not more than that, where all of a sudden 
It could be the worship song, which for, I'm I'm an emotional guy when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. I get goosebumps. I can I can I can cry. But um, every time I'm at there, like the worship will hit me on another level, and then the message will like obliterate me, like just absolutely where you're like, oh, oh my God, he's saying everything. Literally, he's speaking directly to me, and it's yeah. like <clears throat> I, I don't know how that. I can't break that down, but every time I'm gone from church for a while, that's exactly what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are some people who would chalk that up to, you're just, you're attuned to hearing what you need to hear. And sometimes that may be the case, but I mean, I've had it happen to me where the, the message I hear is so it's not broad in general. Mm -hmm. Like it'll be drilling down into something really, really specific. Right. And I mean, you know, inches away from where I'm standing kind of thing. Yeah. It's not like a carpet bomb of, mm-hmm. of a message. It's like a, a bullet yeah. right there. And it just gets you right to the heart. And you're like, it was aimed right at me. That's how I felt every time that I'm away from it for any sort of substantial time. I, honestly, most of the time when, when I do, you know, when I, when I go and especially when I, I bring like the, the Bible that I have, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. But the Bible that I had is the Bible that I had when I went through a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it has notes written all the way through. It's the only time that I read the Bible all the way through and really took my time with it. So I'll bring that Bible to, with me while I'm at church. And it, 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 boy, it hits different mm-hmm. when you bring it and you read it and you interpret it. Because I think that you can, the interpretation is really, in my opinion, for me, it's kind of how you view Sure, there's a direct message, but it hits me one specific way. And it can. I'm sure many people can interpret it many different ways. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, having, from my background, having studied it, like there's, when I went to seminary, I was, you're reading a bunch of books, you're doing a lot of really in-depth study that is aimed at the language and the culture and the history. And those things are important. Even if you're not going to study it, you know, learn Greek or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs to do that. But it's important to understand those things, but it, there's, a, there's a danger in people who, and I've seen this from people who are particularly skeptical, is that they, they read it as just text mm-hmm. and as something to pick apart. And like you can do that, and I mean, I can do that. Right. I'm good at that. I mean, I, ha- I, mean, I, I, I had to become good at that to really just... I would think that you'd have dissect to dissect it. Yeah. But there's a different when you're reading it to when you're reading it as a way to hear from when you're trying to really hear the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and of course you you always have to check that against other people and the community of faith that you're in because you don't want to go completely off the rails with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, just allowing yourself to be vulnerable to it. And not just read it as like, well, I'm going to see how, how wrong it is all the time. I find all the places where it's inconsistent or all the places where it says something I don't like. Well, I mean, you can find that anywhere if that's oh, what you're looking much. for. It's the same thing as if when somebody says they had, a mean, they had a meaningful experience at church. Well, you were just looking for a meaningful experience. Okay, fine. You're just looking for a reason to not. To not. Yeah. I, how is that any different? It, yeah. Uh, it's the same thing, just the opposite. <laughs> so you're coming away grumpy and they're coming away in a better mood. Yeah. That's, you know, and it's amazing that that you say that. I would imagine, or I would think that, in fact, that's a good question. When you read the Bible, because you've got far more experience than than I do in this, um, when you read it, do you read certain things that hit you in a different way? You know, kind of like when you read any book, really, all of a sudden you interpret something else, you read it one way, and now you're reading it a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some of that... I mean, some of that does come from, you know, from doing some of the more in-depth mm. research stuff. I know, and I don't, I don't know Greek, but I can maneuver the tools to kind of figure things out with it. And that, I mean, that a lot of that can add a lot of depth, but <clears throat> more to the kind of the street level. I mean, there, there are passages that I've read a dozen times, two dozen times, and. I'll read it again, and there'll be just either a detail I never picked up on mm-hmm. for whatever reason, or because of 
what I'm bringing to the bringing to the moment, there'll be something that really does kind of strike me in a different way. Uh, I mean, I, I talk about one of my favorite books is To Kill a Mockingbird. <clears throat> and I've read that when I was 12 for the first time. Have you read it? Yeah, through school. Yeah. I had to read it. For so uh, when you read it for school and, and you're 12 years old, because that's when I first read it. Right. It's, it's good. Yeah. But you're reading it for school and you're also 12. And so there's a lot of stuff that you, you just don't understand because 100%. when you're 12, you don't know as much about the world as when you're 18, 25, yeah. 30. And I've read that book a few times. And as I've gotten older, the, it is much deeper and richer. Yeah. And it means a lot more. And I can remember reading uh, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Another one I had to read at school. And you read that when you're when you're 16 or 17, and you're yeah. like, "Yeah, man, people are phony," and and the uh-huh. and that, you know, that's the whole the he, the whole time he's just talking about how everybody's awful and all this stuff. And when you're What's when you're a teenager, name on that? Holden Caulfield. Holden Caulfield, that's right. And the whole time he's being grumpy, and you know, and you, when you're a teenager, you're like, "Yeah, yeah he gets the world." That angst, baby. And then I read it sometime way later, like mm-hmm. in my 30s. I'm like this poor kid. He needs. <laughs> he needs a role model. He needs a hug. He needs someone to tell him it's going to be okay. But the point of that is that, yeah, scripture is the same way, even more so. Because as I've as I've read it, I mean, even as recently as just in the past few months, there are things that hit me way differently than they ever have. Uh, I mean, and we don't need to go down this all the way down this road, but when, when this new discussion of, of race has, has arisen again, mm-hmm. it's a very important discussion. And I hear a lot of people on both sides of, of different arguments. And one of the things that has all of a sudden resonated with me, and I've said this on, on a couple of things I've written. And if anyone's listening to this, they've probably heard this on the podcast at least two other times, but this passage that Paul writes about the body of Christ and how one body, one member of the body can't say, I have no need of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one part of the body can't say, well, because I'm not this part of the body, I'm not important. And if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. And I've read that my whole life mm-hmm. and it, it meant something to me, but in response to this, this what's going on in America right now. Like it, all of a sudden it just, it hit me at a different level that there are people who are really hurting Mm -hmm. and whether or not you, whatever statistics you throw at it, whatever optics you think are being played out, you don't have a right to diminish someone's pain. And if they're in pain, you, if you're a Christian and you see someone in pain, the, the question is not what responsibility you have. And it's like, well, you get to that later. Mm -hmm. If, if that's even a question that needs to be brought up. Right. They're in pain. You should feel that with them. Absolutely. That's wow. a long-winded answer, but I mean, just well, I think that just to say, as, as recently as just in the past few months, there are passages of scripture that I've heard my whole life that have taken on a new meaning because I'm confronted with things that br- that bring them to a new level. Isn't there a part in the Bible that says basically, you know, however somebody's feeling, you should. I don't, I'm not saying feel the same way, but oh, it's in that passage. Yeah, it's yeah. that passage you're, you're itself. To, yeah, yeah. If and I mean, you've you've got the passage in it's Matthew, Matthew 25 where Jesus says, "When I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was sick, when I was in prison, mm-hmm. you cared for me, or you didn't." Mm-hmm. And the people who cared for him said when did we care for you and the people who didn't when did we not care for you yeah and he says well whenever you did it or didn't do it for somebody else you didn't you did or didn't do it for me yeah and again it's this whole idea of you we're not called to question the motives Mm -hmm. we're not called to question the circumstances we're called to respond to people's needs and sometimes that means putting aside what you think about something politically. Mm-hmm. That's uncomfortable for a lot very, of people. Very, It's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And I think anyone who's being honest with themselves, if, if, if you're not uncomfortable with some of it, then... It seems unlikely. 
yeah, I mean, you, you need to dig a little deeper because yeah. it should. There should always be something that's kind of like, oh, I need to be. I need to be more attentive to this, but. Yeah, I mean that's it, it's. It's amazing. So when, when you brought up Paul, so a good portion of when I was really reading the Bible and 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 really focusing on it, um, Paul's letters specifically on the situation where they resonated with me hardcore mm-hmm. and he kind of had that that approach where he could be somewhat I'm sure in t- different areas he wasn't exactly unbiased but where <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, nope no but, you know where he, he had the ability to to really reach anybody based on what was happening mm-hmm. with them and you could feel that with them Oh yeah, which seems like one of the most daunting tasks yeah. in the world right now is to to see somebody else's pain, not relate with it at all, right? But still empathize with it. And I, yeah, yeah. he's got that great riff about. And I, I'm always bad about remembering chapters and verses in books, like just because the 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 words are the thing that kind of latch on. But he has this thing about uh, becoming all things to all people. So to mm-hmm. the Jews, I became like a Jew. To the Greeks, I became like a Greek. I, you know. I was brought low, I was brought high, like whatever it took. That's it. Like, that's it. And that means putting aside yourself. 100%. That's, I mean, so I, I, that's probably what I was thinking of when I, when I did read it. I mean, it was just like that. Yeah. But you, you be who, or you try to be similar to the people you're around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not faking it at no. all. It's not faking it to get somebody to come no. to Christ. It's, it's literally kind of putting yourself... In, in their shoes, and it's not hypocrisy because no. it's not. He's not saying that he he sacrificed his conviction. Mm-hmm. He's saying that because of his conviction, he was able to forget himself enough mm-hmm. to put aside whatever biases and whatever you know, whatever things that because they're you know whatever cultural things might have offended him coming into the situation. Like mm-hmm. forget about it. Yeah. Like just stand that's, there and take it. That's, can you imagine that right now? I mean, that's 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 incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the it, with all the noise. That's the thing I I, I want people to know from my perspective. <clears throat> if anyone cares what I think, is my message to anybody uh, in general has always been, but especially now has been like, look, we all know the statistics you can point to about one thing. We all know the rhetoric that's surrounding things. We, we Whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to throw that out all the time. If, if someone's coming to you with something that's causing them pain, you don't have to say, well, actually, you shouldn't feel that way because this, this, and this. <laughs> One, because there's information from everywhere that can disprove or prove anything you want. Right. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Do you care about the person in front of you or not? And do you care about them because they're a person? Does it matter to you that they have a different perspective? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. That that should be it, point blank. Yeah, you know. That, and if that, that, and again, if that means that I have to shut up and keep my opinion to myself, mm-hmm. or if it means that uh, I have to go places and have conversations that made me uncomfortable, all right. Yeah. Well, Lord knows I got to do more of that. Cool. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly <clears throat> when all this has happened, uh, I, I certainly did not have that that ability to be patient. And listen, I, I made my opinion up, mm-hmm. made my decision, and I blasted the heck out of it on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was this complete, is the hill. This is I'm it. going to die on. Exactly, completely unnecessary. I did not take a, a second to read, but then there would be loads of information that someone very patiently and calmly would word to me in a private message with some strong worded words as well, but. It literally gave you the opportunity to just have a different perspective, and you say, and then it works both ways. But if we could just just bring it on in, slow your voices, yeah, that's it, and listen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, that is so much harder. Well, um, so you mentioned, so you you read through, you read the Bible cover to cover, cover to cover, and. That was when. That's when I was. That's when I was locked up. Okay. I, when I was. Uh, 
So I guess initially when the more serious stuff happened, I was 19 and um, <laughs> ended up stealing. And it's okay to laugh at this if anybody's listening. Well, wait, hold on. Before you get to this, is this the thing that leads into going to prison? More or less, yeah. Okay, before that then. So you had that experience when you were younger. Yes. How... I guess from one perspective, why don't you think that sustained into adulthood? What do you think you needed, would have needed? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'll just flat out say it. I think one of the biggest things that anybody can have, and it's one of the hardest things to get uh, right now, you can look at statistics that we were talking about before, was having a full-fledged family. That means mom, dad, Together, I'm not blaming that I obviously made my own decisions, but things were much more structured, if you will, when things were together and we were going to church together. And then I, I tried to do it on my own, but then you have people that are around you. And if you don't take the time to step away from the bad decisions that you're making, you're just going to continue to make more of them. And the people that I surrounded myself with were not mm. unbelievably positive People. I love them to death. Love them to death. I mean, I had... You know, one of them just passed from making those bad decisions. Mm. So, if you didn't... If you don't get away from it, and you stick with what you're doing, and you refuse to listen... Because I didn't listen to my mom at all. At all. I, I ignored her whenever she got... Uh, I get that I'm getting real personal here, but... Whenever she started dating... What is now my, my stepdad? He's a... a has to be a wonderful person, for God's sake. I spent decades trying to get rid of him. Um, <laughs> and but he's, he's truly a wonderful, wonderful person. But when as soon as he arrived, I that's when it was... I just went the complete opposite direction. Mm. I was like, this is... I'm at my mom's house. I don't trust this guy. And I liked everything that... Mm -hmm. Even though it led nowhere good. Right. You know, and if you don't get away from it... It's a whole lot easier to continue to make bad decisions than it is to tough it out and be good. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is, but that's <clears> just the, from my experience, the reality of it. If you're not yeah. going to take the time to to put in the work to have a, <laughs> a respectable life, uh, God, you're going to fall. Yeah. And, and I mean that's that's how it went, man. I just kept hanging out, hanging out with the same people. And so, stop going to church. Stop. Focus on that. Yeah, I mean, and, we all did. Yeah. I mean, my mom stopped going as well. <clears throat> um, you know, it just kind of became a, a non-factor. I mean, we just stopped going. That is interesting, just the, the idea of the importance of family. And and that's not to say that families who don't go to church are going to... No, no, no. I don't mean that at all. At all. And I know you, and I, I don't, and I know you don't. But, I mean, there is... Something for the, the solidarity of, of doing church together. I think it's a very, very big deal. I think family <clears throat> is an unbelievably important part of having, and I'm sure it goes both ways, but of having a really strong foundation mm -hmm. on how you're supposed to live, on how you're going to be when you get older. Mm -hmm. When you have a wife and kids and things like that, you've been raised in a family that hasn't left. Right. You know, and whatever, you know, if you went to church, that's an integral part of what you're doing. Right. And it goes a long way. I mean, I would imagine that it might go the same way even if they were together as a family and they didn't go to church. Mm -hmm. I would imagine you'd still have a stronger foundation. Sure. If they were together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not blaming that, though. I want to make sure that I made my own decisions. No, I mean, there. it's... It's real. I mean, if that's if that's, it's a reality. And like you said, I mean, it's it. it uh, statistics will say that there's that's a lot less likely. Yeah. Than it used to be. Yes. To families stay together. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where things. Not to mention, <clears throat> um, you know, the decisions that I made were very substance abuse related, and my dad's occupation is a substance abuse counselor. Mm. So. No, I did not want to see him <laughs> at all. Yeah. If there's anybody you're trying to hide your substance abuse from, That's it's not going to be someone who literally meets with people who hide their substance abuse 
all the time. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. Not, that's not someone you want to be around. Right. That obviously had a very big aspect of of where my decisions led. No thanks, Dad. I'd rather stay with my mom and not see you. Based Didn't have on, the same kind of accountability. Exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, the accountability. I mean, God bless my mom, man, but I mean, I was a wild, wild kid. And I would just straight up disappear. Let's go. Yeah. You're not going to have a chance to try to figure it out, but you knew. Sure. You didn't really have to do any, you know, Sherlock <laughs> Holmes action to figure out what was happening. Super sleuthing. Exactly. None of that was necessary. You knew. <laughs> so later on, then you, you got sent up. Yeah. So later on, um, I ended up progressing to more substance abuse and I ended up getting in trouble with the law. You know, you'd have minor possession of marijuana or alcohol when you're under 21 and, you know, eventually, uh, you get caught up, you get arrested, you go to jail. Um, and then, you know, I just kept going down the same path regardless. You're on probation. You can't mess up. You can't mm-hmm. mess up. You go to jail. And I said, I don't care. I'll just go ahead and continue to do it. Cause that's what I, I, I that's what I thought was pleasurable to me at the time. Um, and eventually I was in, I, I grew up in Kansas. I'm sure I mentioned that, but then my mom moved down here and the only way to, in Georgia, the only way for me to move to Georgia was if my probation officer <laughs> put me into a rehabilitation, a rehab, uh, in Georgia. <laughs> I didn't get to go move back into a house or whatever. I had to move down and go to a 90 day rehab. Um, and this mind you is before more of the serious stuff happened. And while I was down here, I, I, I did the, the 90 day rehab thing, but I met a girl, uh, while I was working at, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch <laughs> folding clothes like a champ. Incredible. I'm telling you. Yeah. <clears throat> top notch at, uh, at Gwinnett Place Mall. If anyone's familiar with that, looks a little different right now. Stranger things. Yeah. Exa- there you go. Yeah. It was so abandoned that they could use it for a TV show. Uh, <laughs> So when I, <laughs> gosh. but, uh, yeah. So when I worked there, I, I, I met a gal and I got easily, uh, seduced by this one and she had a, a stronger affinity for some of the substance abuse that was around, um, more hardcore stuff. And I ended up going down that route and got absolutely just hooked and didn't try. I, I didn't try. I didn't try to go to church. I tried to avoid my mom. I tried to avoid her parents. I tried to avoid everything and just stay hmm. straight with it <clears throat> to the point where I didn't have a job. I didn't care about a job. I cared about one thing, and that was the substance. Right. That's it. And, you know, eventually I had to go back to another rehab, um, and I ran away from there and came back, and I, I ended up binging out. So binging out on, on cocaine at that time. And, um, you know, that was, that was, I was living in my car for God's sakes when I did that. And, uh, I eventually just got so strung out that I, and I was under 21 and I wanted alcohol to kind of bring that, uh, some sort of balance, if that makes sense. Take the edge off. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, I couldn't buy it. So I stole it from people's who had their garage doors open. I would just go in and, and. You know, I'd stumble up their driveway, and if they had it, and hopefully they had beer that I could just take and get back into a car and drive. And obviously that did not work. And, uh, you know, I had people, and they called the cops, and I got arrested. Um, this time for a more serious offense than a minor in possession. It was an attempted burglary, which is a felony. And, um, you know, if I didn't get attempted burglary, who knows? I would have went in somebody's house if mm-hmm. I didn't get caught then. Right. You know, I mean, it only progresses. So from that standpoint, I ended up doing uh, about 90 days there uh, in Gwinnett. And the girl was still kind of around, albeit she was also with some other guys. So when I got out of that, I went back to live with my mom and it was okay, but she was still around. And I was on uh, felony probation, which meant I was going to be on probation for seven years, which is a long time. 
Mm-hmm. To, and you have to get random drug tests and all that stuff, which means, uh, for God's sakes, Ben, uh, don't do drugs. Right. <laughs> Fairly simple, right? Because anytime you have to see him, which is every month, you should be clean. It should be a very simple standard. Or you go back to jail. They're going to test. For the entirety of your sentence. <clears throat> so naturally, I chose not to do that and decided to mess up more. And eventually, I ran away and went back to Kansas uh, without permission naturally and um, my probation officer literally said I'll give you a get out of jail free card if you come back and I said okay and then I still found a way to mess that up and then I got arrested again and that's when I went away for um, just under a year Um, but that's when I really got involved with the Bible you met some people who had been looking at doing some serious time they're going from one stop to a permanent stop right like you're looking at you know 10 to 15 years um with no chance but they were very big with the bible they were people hosting the bible studies mm-hmm. when 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 you're there and it, at first for me I, I couldn't help but be hesitant about that i'm like well i'm supposed to trust you right you're the one who's going to tell me how to live yeah. what'd you do you know so but once you finally get there and understand that there's never a wrong time to figure it out. Right. There, there never is. And you have these people really sticking with you in a way that other people never would. People you were out on the street with. Right. You know, you'd get up and you'd go have breakfast at an ungodly hour, 4.30 if you must know. Um, <laughs> but they would literally ask you while you're wiping sleep from your eyes, have you read? How are you? Have you prayed? Huh. Which your friends on the street wouldn't care to do. Right. Granted, it's probably about who you surround yourself with, but I had more attention and more actual care that I felt from people in a very real sense from people I was locked up with. And you start reading, and you start reading the Bible all the time. My mom got me a Bible called Every Man's Bible, which was a, an interpretation that I could more understand. Mm-hmm. And I read it from front to back. And it was, the, I mean, it took I'm, the, the entire year that I was there. I mean, it, it took that time. You, you got through it. You'd reread certain things. A lot of things, actually. <clears throat> but I, I couldn't believe how much of an impact. When you start praying, specifically, mm-hmm. when you pray daily, that pray without ceasing thing, that, that's a real thing. But boy, when you put prayer... I mean, it, it does wonders. Like, to the point where all of a sudden you have a light bulb that just... You're like, oh, my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you build relationships with people who are important to you. And it's stronger and stronger, and it just continues to grow. And when I was locked up, you couldn't get... When I went down, they sent, sent me down the road, quote-unquote. So I went to Jackson State Prison... And then went, from there, you, you can't talk to anybody. You, you're not allowed to use the phone. I couldn't talk to anybody for two, two weeks, two and a half weeks. And then I went to um, Savannah, what well, was it, Coastal State Prison. And I was in a, in a program there where you couldn't talk to anybody on the phone for another three months. Wow. So it was all through letters. <clears throat> but yet you couldn't feel like you had a stronger relationship with my girlfriend, with, with, with Carissa, mm-hmm. with my mom, you know, but, and yet you didn't even you weren't even able to talk to him. Hmm. It was all written. Right. But because you were praying and you were having those conversations, you had well, this is insane, actually, having this <laughs> backed up. It's really kind of powerful. Uh, very powerful. Um, but you never had relationships. I had never had relationships like that until I started praying and opening up, like fully opening up. Mm-hmm. about it and being I guess vulnerable is the word yeah I, I had never let anybody that that was kind of the biggest rebelling aspect of it right like, no, you don't get to tell me what to do sure okay well people will and you'll find that out yeah <laughs> one way or the other but yeah it was it, it reading Paul's prayers or Paul's books specifically because he was locked up mm. during that time when I was well, during that time, <laughs> a little bit before my time, 
Um, Contemporary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So, you know, when I was locked up, I, I read his stuff and it really, really resonated. You know, especially when you get to a point where, you know, when you first like kind of introduced and all of a sudden, you know, he sees this bright, bright light and he's like, what is happening? That's like, why are you persecuting me, man? What's up? You know, and he's like, yeah. well, who are you? You know, and that's like literally with the exception of all the greatness that Paul did. I didn't do anything like that. But it's like you got hit in the face with, dude, what? we've yeah. had this conversation. <clears throat> it was good. Yeah. I hope you know that we can have that conversation again. It's terrible that you're here. Right. But what better time? Yeah. Let's let's get reacquainted. Let's have that conversation. And it was just, I couldn't believe how easy it was for me to accept it. Hmm. Because I had fought for years to not recognize it at all. Yeah. At all. And then as soon as you get into that spot, I mean, sure, other people didn't go that route. But you had people who have done far I stole beer from a refrigerator in someone's garage. <laughs> right. I met people who have done far worse. Right. And were way more integrated and knew that this wasn't some sort of hoax. You're not going to become more reading the Bible and get out early. That's not how that works. Right. That's not what they, and they knew that. Like, hey, if I, if I lock in and read the Bible, maybe I'll get an early release date. No, you won't. No. It's not how that works. No. And they knew that. And that's really kind of what, like, I think my initial thought when I started reading the Bible was maybe there's a little leeway. If I start doing that, maybe he'll let me out. Right. And then the more you do it, the more you talk to people who believe it, who have seen things and they can explain stuff sure. that they've experienced. goes a long way. A long way. So now, I mean, where are you at with it now? I mean, you, you clearly, you believe it. I, I know do you believe, believe it. it. If, if if we're all honest with ourselves, we're mm. all in a place where we there are things we can be doing better. And having that experience and going through, I mean, a, a very dark period, but then having very dark, yeah. people who you wouldn't expect really lean in and people who you would expect maybe lean out. Having gone through all of that, what did that do to shape how you approach Christ and how you approach your faith? So if I'm not reading the Bible on a fairly daily basis, which you should, I, you know, I feel like I should be doing anyway, you will, you'll allow, or I'll allow, thoughts of doubt to creep in. Mm. You know, where you start asking those ridiculous questions of, why would he allow this to happen? Why would he allow that to happen? Why would this, and, and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're forgetting. You're forgetting everything that you've already experienced firsthand, mm-hmm. firsthand, to go back into an area of where you've already been, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's a, um, there's a song. I used to go to Free Chapel, and they made this album. Uh, I can't even remember the guy who was the worship pastor because they cycled through. Um, I want to say his name was Ricardo. Uh, at any rate, there's a song called Moving Forward, and... I think you can actually find it on Spotify if you were to type it in. But it is one of the most potent songs of my entire faith altogether. I can go through anything and hear that song, and it will, boy, it will hit you in the mouth. And will really, for me personally, bring me back into, okay, I need the Word. I need mm-hmm. to open up the Bible. Mm-hmm. I need to do these things on a daily basis, or my mind is not going to, to be able to take it. Yeah. And there's a part in the song where he's praying, like he, you know, they do the whole, they jam out, and it's great. All the words are right. about moving forward, coming from a life that you've already been. And he said, you know, it, it don't look back on the stinking, rotting flesh that'll only lead you where you've already been. Mm. And like every time I hear that, that's the reality for me. Yeah, that is the reality. Is if you want to continue to go that route, that stinking. <laughs> Yeah. Flesh. Return. Yeah. Worded pretty powerfully. I probably would have worded slightly differently. A <laughs> little kinder. A little kinder. Well, I like what you said too, because it's it's not about like the praying and the reading the Bible and the going to church. That's not about. It's not doing a list to, to check off of like a to do list, and it's not right. trying to earn your way into it or anything like that. It's right. 
immersing yourself in a in something that has a an impact to to ele- to elevate you and to to set your eyes on something higher and greater. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people think that you know if you pray hard enough or if you read the Bible enough, then a lot of good things are going to happen because of that. And maybe so, maybe not, but it's, it's not directly tied to that. It's, I think, I think it's more that the more you pray, the more you read, the more you're in touch with the mind of God. And the more you're in touch with the mind of God, the more you're going to be able to see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. I mean, it's like learning, you know, if you and I went and watched a basketball game, Mm -hmm. you and I, we can watch the same exact game and you will understand it completely differently than I will mm-hmm. because you know the you know the rules and you know the, the teams and you know the players and all that other stuff and it's the same kind of thing like the the more you're plugged into anything mm-hmm. the more you're going to understand what it is and so it isn't about the legalism it's it's about coming to an understanding of it and allowing that understanding to shape you again not for reward but because it it can have an impact so that when the hard things happen, you aren't, you know, floundering and feeling like you're lost at sea. Like you've got a base of hope and knowledge and support to get you through it that you may not and probably wouldn't have had otherwise. That's good, man. Um, I mean, you said it. Well, no, it's just, it's so very true. It's, you know, you were bringing that up. I thought about a time where, you know, my son... It's probably four, three or four, and we're and he, he never wanted to go to the the Sunday school thing, <clears throat> so we'd be at free chapel at the time and they'd be doing worship. You know, a lot of people have their hands in the air and mm-hmm. you know, they're they're doing that, and I'm I've always been kind of hesitant to do so, even when yeah. you feel that 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 urge. Don't worry about what other people to feel it, man. Let it rip. Yeah, you know, whatever you got to do. And, yeah, and if you feel it, do it. If you don't, exactly. You don't and, have to. But you look over. You look over. And little man is... Just into it. With his hands up, doing the whole thing. And, and, and it hit, though. It hit in a way where you're like, this is not... Because he's seeing everybody else. No, because he could just as easily be playing with his Game Boy or, yeah. or whatever it is that kids play with. Game, I don't know. <laughs> Game Boy. <laughs> what is the thing? So what are they doing? Switch now, man. All right, whatever. Times, bro. Come on. But I mean, the kid, yeah, or coloring in the coloring book or whatever it is. Like, kids could easily be doing just about anything else Yeah. in church. But he was zoned in. Yeah. And his hands were up. And every time I saw it, because it happened multiple times, it choked me up, man. And now I'm a very emotional guy to begin with, so I cry fairly easily. Don't judge me. But <laughs> saw that, and I mean, it just, every single time you see it, you're like, well, yeah. let me go ahead and put my hand, like, come yeah. on now. Like, it, it, it hit differently and from from a family perspective when we go to church when we make that time when we put that effort in it's a healthier relationship it just it is I'm sure you can figure it out another way I'm sure I don't know it right but and I've tried it and it hasn't worked okay sure so when we put that when we when we actually take the time to like have our daily reading Crystal will do her own thing. I'll do my thing. You know, even if it's just 20 minutes, man, it uh, changes my day. Yeah. Entirely. I become more patient. I was talking with somebody recently and generally I worship music's not my thing. It's, it's not my thing. However, when there's something about it, especially when I was on the road a lot Mm -hmm. and I knew I had a really heavy day or busy day or had to drive all over God's creation or if I knew that there was like you know there's a there's a job going in that I was maybe a little stressed about the mornings that I would take that 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then I'm not kidding man like starting I would just I had like a playlist of of hymns and worship songs that I did like Mm -hmm. and the days that I took the time like you said 15-20 minutes just with nothing else just that and then listen to some of those hymns and songs in the car on the way to work, it just puts you in a different frame of mind. It does. And 
and you, you could just chalk it up to being in a better frame of mind. Fine. But I just, I think that there's something about you're connected. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like with any other, with any other person you're in a, in any kind of relationship with a mm-hmm. girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, a wife, parents, brothers, friends, sisters, you know, whatever. The, the more you connect with them and talk with them and have conversations and spend time with them, the more you know what, how, what their silences mean yeah. and what their words mean and what their body language says and all of these things. And it's the same kind of thing that happens with your relationship with Christ that if you don't spend a lot of time with it, it's like you're catching up with somebody who you only see once in a while and it may take a little while to get acquainted. But there are times when, if, if you're, especially if you're really dug in there like that, where even the silences don't bother you because you know what they are. Yeah. You know what, what's being said in the silence and you, you know... Um, you know the language, you know the, you know the person, and it's the same kind of thing. So I think that, I, to me, I attribute it to that because it's just being more plugged in to any person, you're going to be more influenced by who they are. And being more plugged in to the Word and to prayer and to, to music, um, those would start my days a lot better because it was like it was starting your day with a good friend. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, is there anything else that you want to, I and mean, we covered a lot. We've been talking for a very long time. Oh, there we go. Okay. Well, uh, I don't think there's anything, uh, yeah, uh, whoever is listening, I do apologize for rambling. This is my first, um, podcast. You're killing or, or, it. It's oh, awesome. Oh, thanks. Knocking and, it out and, of and, and, and talking into a microphone too, which is kind of weird. It's a little weird. It is. Like, are you too close? Am I too far? Well, but yeah, no, this was, this was fantastic and honestly has, uh, I guess it probably does with whoever you're talking to, but it's really kind of opened up, um, more of a need for doing what I used to do just by talking about it. I guess there's times where you just don't want to talk about it. You just kind of just bury it on down deep. Yeah. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I... Again, you, the more you, the more time you spend with it and with people who you talk with about it, it, it definitely gets you deeper, and it stays with you. It resonates a lot longer. You know, it does. Tuned up a little better. It does. So. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it, man. This is I've actually gained a lot from this. So thank you. Well, I, I have too, and I appreciate you being willing to to share your story. And I know that there are people who will hear it who will, it's it will mean something too because one to to have the, you know, to be willing to, to share parts of your story that a lot of people would not feel comfortable with sharing to do it that openly and honestly, but you know, it, to, I was nervous and how it, you know, comes back up and yeah, how it, how your faith changed and all of that, I think is an important thing for people to hear. So I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and being willing to do it so openly and honestly. I'm happy to do so, man. Be cool. difficult if it was anybody else. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be honest. Well, I'm happy to happy to have had you over, and we're gonna talk about food next time, which is expanding. And either Indiana Jones movies, I'm totally down. Or I don't know, John Wick, also totally down. I'm trying to think, but we'll figure those out. We could do that. We could do the Matrix too. The Although Matrix? More of a, you know, it's kind of more of a jumbled I, mess. You know, I, I, we could talk about him. I don't uh, like the last two. No, not the last two are terrible, without question. It is cool, though, that he built a whole highway <laughs> in the second one. Like, literally yeah. just built the highway for the movie. Yeah. Where'd that go? Yeah. It's still there? I'd like to know. They could probably put it some places and alleviate some traffic. Well. <laughs> yes. Just pick it up. Yeah. Airlift yeah. it. There we go. We'll put that over here in Atlanta. And it's a hamster wheel. We need it right out there. Exactly. You can see the place where you could use it outside my apartment. You can just circle back around. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll, uh, I'm going to have Ben on another time. Uh, We're going to, we've got a lot of other fun stuff that we have in common that we like to talk about and joke about, uh, but this is the most important one. So I wanted to, to have that out for everybody to hear. So thank you again. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Southern Reverend. I've been your host, Joel Mooneyhan. 
I want to give special thanks again to Ben for agreeing to come on and share his story with me and allowing me to share that story with you. And I hope that you have found it as meaningful as I did in having the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you left a review and shared it with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the handle Southern Reverend. And you can find me online at www.southernreverend.com. There you'll find an archive of my previous episodes as well as a blog that I try to keep updated. Uh, Things get busy, but I'm trying to do better at that. So thank you for being patient with that. Thank you again for allowing me to be part of your listening rotation. Y'all have a great week. Take care and be good to one another.